Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here, and happy Easter. Happy Easter. Amen. So, to tell you a little bit about myself, I moved to Houston seven years ago, and uh, I've been in pastoral ministry, in some kind of ministry, for 17 years now, and uh, in all of my life, there is nowhere else that I've had more joy. Uh, this is a church I would attend even if I wasn't the pastor, and we pride ourselves on our family atmosphere here, and this Easter Sunday, you know, this is our third Easter. It's our third Easter, and with each passing year, I see more and more beautiful faces filling these seats, and it brings great joy to my heart. We do have the kids with us today. Typically, we do have children's ministry uh, and child care um, uh, on the other side of this wall, but today, being a special occasion, we're having... Um, our children with us, and I'll try to engage you guys and keep you interested. Usually I speak better to grown-ups, but hopefully I'll keep you engaged. So I'll start with a story. Kids like stories. Grown-ups like stories. And the story is this. One day there was a man, and he heard his doorbell ring, and when he went to get to, when he went to get the door, he found nobody there except a large package. He looked at this large package, no uh, receipt, no uh, you know, a card or anything, and he brought in the house and he tore it up and it turned out to be a huge mirror. It was a full-length mirror, beautifully embroidered, a wonderful, beautiful gift. He didn't know where it came from. And he hung it on his wall and every day before he went to work, he would check himself in the mirror, make sure that he looked good, and then he would head off. Gradually, as he stood in front of the mirror, day by day with each passing day, he began to notice something strange. For example, one day he woke up grumpy, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and he rolled out, and he looked in the mirror just before he left, and whoa, he jumped back. He looked a little bit scary. He looked a little bit disfigured. He looked a little bit um, just grumpier or scarier. He just shook it off, and he went to work. And in the days to come, he began to notice something about this mirror. The more he looked at it every day, if he was in a good mood, he looked more handsome, dashing, bright. And if he was in a sad or down mood, he was constantly rubbing that mirror to get that cloudy mist off, although there was, it was completely polished. This was a magic mirror. It was a magical mirror that showed him who he really was. And even if he was hiding, even if he was dishonest, I'm fine. The mirror had a way of revealing his true feelings. And so he went to the garage, and he was upset, and he said, I can't have that in my house. And he took a hammer, and he ran up to the mirror, and he was just about to break it, but then he stopped. And then he thought, this mirror is the only thing that will tell me the truth. It's the only honest thing that will reveal the honest things of my heart. The Bible is like an honest mirror. It's like that mirror. It might be the one thing in the whole thing entire house under your roof that will tell you the truth about who you are. It will reveal, it will be honest to you. And you might have been frustrated at some time in your life and you've taken that book and you've wanted to throw it out, but you couldn't because it was the only honest thing <laughs> under the roof. In particular, the parables of Jesus has a way of holding up a mirror and forcing us to see ourselves. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, a parable of Jesus, like that magic mirror held up to show us who we really are, revealing our souls. And so today, I'm going to talk through the parable of the sower, and I'm going to talk along two headings. Those of you that like to take notes, if you look in your bulletin, 
you'll find a sheet that looks just like this. And on this sheet, two headings that I'll talk through. And I'm going to go back and forth because what we're going to do is we're going to look into the mirror today. We're going to look into the mirror. And then we're going to look away and reflect. But then for a second time, we're going to look back at the mirror. And then we're going to reflect again. So our two headings is how is my soil and how is my soul? And then we're going to go back and say, how is my soil? And come back and say, how is my soul? So those are the two headings we're going to talk through this Sunday morning. So we'll start off with my soil. If Autumn, you could come forward. And with this first heading, I've asked Autumn. And come on, Autumn, hurry up. I'm going to pick on Autumn today because she's getting baptized. And it's a special day. And we have a mic for you right here. And um, I've asked Autumn, elegant Autumn, right over here, to read our passage for us. Our reading is going to come to us from Mark chapter 4 all the way to uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 1, all the way to verse 25. She's going to read the first section from Mark chapter 4, verse 2 to 9. Now, in a loud and clear voice, if you can step forward into the mic. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this, behold, the, sow- the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you. Thank you, Autumn. This is the parable of the sower. You may be seated. Thank you. The parable of the sower, that's what it's called. But more accurately, it's probably not a parable of the sower because the sower, the sower is somebody, think of it as a gardener, kids. A gardener is somebody that has a handful of seed and they sow seed. And what that means is to scatter seed. I don't think this is about the sower. And in this, the sower represents God. And the seed, I don't think it's the parable of the seed either because the seed is the same. Wherever he scatters, it's, it's the same. The seed represents the word of God the Bible, and what we hear in church on Sundays. I think this is actually more about the soil that receives the seed. Four types of soils. So I would call this the parable of the soils. Four types of soil that represent four types of people. Now, as I talk about these four types of people, listen very carefully and see if I am talking about you this Sunday morning. The first type of soil First type of person, a boy named Robin. Robin came to church and immediately, boom, put up a wall. And he put up a wall and then he put on his earphones and he put his hoodie on and he checked out. Never had a chance. Never even had a chance to hear the gospel, to hear the message because of the walls that, boom, immediately went up. Sometimes you can even be in a service and you can hear, but you've checked out. So either way, never had a chance. The seed never had a chance to root. Are there any robins here this morning? The second type of person 
or soil is Petra, a girl named Petra. Petra was a sweet girl, but very easily impressionable. She liked flashing lights, bright things. She liked things that stimulated her interest and stimulated her. And gradually, uh, although she was in the church, because she wasn't anchored, wasn't very deep, the result was she followed whatever interested her, and it got her into a lot of trouble. It got her into a lot of trouble. Are there any Petras in this house today? The third person is Rose. Rose, Rose, Rose. I know, I know a good number of Roses. I'm thinking of one now. Rose, very pretty young lady. She heard. And hearing is important in the book of Mark. Hearing. Hearing entails not just listening but understanding. She heard and she got it. She understood the message. In fact, it moved her. Sunday after Sunday, she would cry because she struck to the core of her being. The problem is she couldn't grow because she had so many things snagging at her. Relationship problems, things in life. It was almost like a trap as you're walking through a forest. Things snaring or, you know, clamps on your paw that would keep you from being free. So she could never really get anywhere with her spirituality. Her spiritual life, kaput. Because there were so many things, and they were not good things, that snagged her. Do we have any roses in the house? And then there's the fourth person, the fourth soil, Constance. Constance. You guys are Constances? Constance? Constance is somebody who had issues. Oh, she had all the same issues as the first three people. She had walls. She had walls. She had stuff that pulled her back, snares. She also had flights of fancy, and she wasn't very deep. But here's the difference with Constance. The difference is this. She kept showing up. She kept listening. And for the first year, she wanted to throw her Bible at the pastor because she said, I don't get this. But eventually, something clicked as she heard, understood, and took action. And as she acted on what she heard and understood, she began to bear fruit. And I've been talking about this for the last three weeks. Those of you that have heard these talks about fruit, you remember that Jesus stood in front of a fig tree and he cursed it. Why? Because there was no fruit. And he was really, in this whole time, critiquing the temple. No fruit, no evidence. And in Mark and in James, back and forth, there's this dialogue in the gospel and in and the teaching of Paul. He talks about grace and James and in the book of James, he'll say, prove it. You talk a good game. You talk really religious. How many of you people know somebody that's really religious, talks a good game, but doesn't really show the evidence and the fruit of it? There's a lot of those. Where's the evidence? Where's the fruit? It's almost as if, you know, there was a, an apple tree. It wasn't just an apple tree. This was a rotten apple tree, a grumpy, rotten apple tree. And the rotten apple tree looked across the way and saw a juicy orange tree. And the rotten apple tree said, I wish I could have juicy oranges. So one day he said, orange, 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 juicy orange. Only rotten apples. And he tried more. He said, orange, orange, orange. I wish juicy orange. But all he could produce were rotten apples. See, bearing fruit is the mark of what's really inside. And only a truly changed nature I believe only God can turn rotten apple trees into juicy orange trees. 
And I don't think it happens overnight either. It doesn't happen overnight. Are you producing rotten apples or juicy oranges? Are you producing fruit at all? Just as it says that this Constance, she yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. What a beautiful passage. By the way, do you produce crops overnight? No. Very likely, you'll have a wonderful Sunday service. They will have Tex-Mex after this. Yay! The kids will get to run around. And you'll go home, and you'll be just as irritable tomorrow morning as you go back to work, as you're sitting in traffic, or the kids do something. It's likely that you won't change overnight. But what happens is over time, we become the trees that bear a crop 30, 60, 100-fold. So that's the first part. We're looking into the mirror. You might be looking in the mirror yourself and you're saying, wow, is this me? Is this really me? And then we step away and we talk through the second heading now. How is my soul? There's some reflection going on there. Uh, You've looked in the reflection. Now you're actually doing some reflection. And the disciples are doing some reflection. And the disciples begin to reflect and they say, wow, that's pretty profound, Jesus. It's profound. What does it mean? And why are you talking like this? That's exactly what they say in verse 10 in the next verse. It says, the disciples and the followers began asking him about the parables. Why are you talking like this, Jesus? It's Easter Sunday. We've got all these newcomers here. Why are you talking in parables? Why don't you just speak forthright? Why don't you speak in a straightforward manner? And Jesus says, this is why I'm talking in parables. In verse 11 Because to you has been given the mystery. Some translations say secret. Because I've given you the secret of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. You get this? You get the secret. Those of you on the inside and in the know get the secret. But those who are not in the know are just going to get gibberish, parables. This reminds me of something that happened to me when I was in middle school. I was about 13 years old in my church youth group. I discovered that there was this rare, incredible species called girl. And I began to hang out with girls, plural. And girls, of course, they were aware of boys. I wasn't the only one. And the youth group girls in my church, they had this thing uh, that was maddening. It was, uh, it was a code. They spoke in this gibberish code, I remember. And with every word that was spoken, they inserted like another stutter syllable. And to this day, I still haven't cracked it. I still have no idea. It sounded like porky pig. Um, It sounded like, that's all, folks. That's all I heard. And it was frustrating because while I was in their presence, they would immediately switch the code and giggle. (laughs) And I don't know if they were talking about something in my teeth or something I was wearing, but they would speak in code And they were in the know. If you knew the code, you were in the know. But all of us who didn't know the code were in the dark. And it was a deliberate way of having an insider, but also keeping people out. I think that's what Jesus is saying here in verse 11. I've given you the secret. I've given you the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those those who are on the outside get everything in gibberish, in parables, and adip, 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 that's all, folks. The question you're asking now is, this is different. 
I thought this was Easter Sunday. We're going to hear that Jesus loves us. Of course, in Sunday school, that's what we hear. Why is Jesus being so mean? Why is Jesus mean? Jesus is nice, friendly, furry, soft, right? Well, let's hear what he says. He elaborates. He goes on in verse 12, and this is what Jesus says. He says, this is why. So while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they would return and be forgiven. While seeing, they might see and get it. And hearing, they might hear and understand. But we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want them to return and be forgiven. Now, two things about this. Number one, this doesn't sound very good. That doesn't, that doesn't make me feel better. And number two, why is Jesus shouting? Is he shouting? Now, if you look in your Bibles, these letters are all caps, all caps. I don't know if that showed on the screen. But his words here are in all capitalized letters. And today, you know that if you're in a workplace conversation and somebody sends you an email in all caps, you just say, why are you shouting? But that's not what Jesus is doing, actually. He's not shouting. These words are all in caps because he's quoting something. So I'll teach here. If you're reading the Bible and you see something in the New Testament in all capital letters, that's an indication that he's quoting the Old Testament. And what he's quoting here in the Old Testament is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, where it says, Keep listening, but don't perceive. Keep looking, but don't understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive and make their ears dull and eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. It sounds like Isaiah, Jesus, and God don't want us to understand. Why would they be so mean? Why, is this message, why does this message have to be hidden? Why is this something that is almost designed to keep us in the dark, as if all of us are just hearing gibberish in a code. Well, children, how many of you have ever heard your teacher say, read the context? Reading comprehension, 101. Teacher, I don't understand this sentence. What does the teacher say? Read the context. Teacher, I don't know what to put in this blank here. Read the context. The context of what's being said here will unlock everything to the parables and to your reading of Scripture, I believe. This is the key. The context of Isaiah chapter 6, Jesus is quoting 6, Isaiah 6, and anybody who heard him would understand because Isaiah was their Bible at the time. They would understand the context and what the context says in Isaiah 5, one chapter before this horrible kind of you know, this horrible saying in chapter 5, it says this, Isaiah 5, verse 3, judge between me and my vineyard. God is speaking. Judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard that I have not done for it already? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? A lot of gardening analogies today. In fact, this whole analogy about scattering the seed, this is gardening. Here too, coincidentally, I think not. In Isaiah 5, what you have is a picture where God in frustration is saying, look, 
I've done everything that I can for this vineyard. I've applied fertilizer. I've given it adequate sun, tender lawn care. I've pruned it. I've pinched the tips. I've grown it. I've done everything that I can. I've sent the prophets. I've sent the law. I've shown kindness time and time again. And yet, after all these years, it's still not blooming or bearing fruit. In other words, I think what we're seeing here, guys, is not that people are failing to understand what Jesus is saying. What we're, saying, what we're seeing is that people don't want to understand. This is not Jesus being mean and saying, why don't you get this? You're, you're, you're speaking in gibberish and keeping them in the dark as much as people have already rejected the message and kept themselves in the dark saying, I don't really want to know. I don't want to look in the mirror again. I don't want to open the book. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. It's a state of rejection. So, reflect on yourself. Reflect on yourself. Are you hearing only gibberish coming out of my mouth? Are you only hearing me speak in code? Or is something cutting through and touching the deepest parts of your heart? Hearing is important. Let's get back to the mirror and say, okay, I want to look at this mirror again because this is kind of bothering me. So we get back to that first heading, the soil. How is my soil? And we look at the mirror, and this is what Jesus says. He says, don't you get this, guys? Guys, don't you understand this yet? Even his disciples, he says, do you understand? If you don't understand, how are you going to understand all of the parables? Okay, this is how it works. This is what he says. The sower, the gardener sows the word. He casts the first type of person. These are the robins of the world. These are the robins of the world. These are the ones who are beside the road when the word is sown. And when they hear, the birds come and eat the seed. He says immediately, Satan. The birds represent Satan. Now, the birds don't represent Satan in real life, but this is the analogy he's using here. The birds, or Satan comes and eats the word, and they never had a chance. The robins of the world will put up the walls, the bitterness, the resentment. He says, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And the word never even gets a chance to root. The second person, in verse 16, these are the Petras of the world, the Petras. The Petras are the ones who hear. But when they hear and they receive it with joy, because they have no firm root. In other words, these are people that are not very deep. Friends, I can tell you that this very morning, there are a lot of Petras sitting in churches across Texas today. A lot of Petras. But without firm root, they will not take. It will not latch. They will not grow. Depth takes time. And then there's the third. In verse 18, the ones who were sown among thorns. Have you ever ran through thorns, children? What happens? You get cut. It snags you. You get stuck, right? And that's the roses of the world. They're the ones who hear. They hear, they get it, 
But because the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke it, they never become fruitful. Never become fruitful. And then lastly, you have the constances of the world on whom seed was sown on the good soil. They hear the word, and here's the key, acceptance. Acceptance. Anybody can go to church this Sunday morning and hear a good word, but it takes the step of acceptance. Acceptance is the key. Growth in your spiritual life begins with a simple thing, hearing and accepting. Because anybody can tell you a good word. But sometimes if you hear a hard word, you don't want to accept it. I love everything the pastor says except when he pushes my buttons. I love everything the pastor says except when he gets into my personal space. I love everything that the Bible says except when it challenges me in the hard areas with hard sayings. I don't want to accept it. But acceptance, in the case of Constance, would produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. Again, Constance... She did not change overnight. Show me a plant that grows up overnight and that produces a hundredfold crops. Friends, spiritual transformation takes years. It might begin today as you attend church. But gradually over time, one year, the first year you planted, you didn't survive the winter. I remember I planted a bunch of things. And last winter we had three days of hard freeze And everything turned black and it died. But you got to survive your first winter. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't just come to church. You got to survive your first winter. And after that, if you've survived, your roots will take and you'll survive every winter. Survive one winter and you'll survive every winter. You'll survive every winter. And the roots will take. And eventually in time, You'll bear fruit if you keep coming out. I'm going to conclude now. We've looked at the mirror. Now reflect this fourth part. How is my soul? As we reflect on our souls. Jesus concludes his teaching by saying this in verse 21. Listen, guys. If I had a lamp, would I put it under the bed? If you have a light bulb, do you put it under the blanket? Well, first of all, it's dangerous. You don't do that. But you don't do that. No, why? Because a lamp is meant to be put on a lampstand so that it shines its light and touches everything so that everything can be illumined. And Jesus continues in verse 22, Nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret that it would, be, that it would come to light. You know what Jesus is saying here? You guys, uh, those of you grown-ups that you remember seeing uh, the Matrix movie, Neo comes up to the little monk boy, and the little monk, is he's, he's bending the spoon, remember that? And then uh, Neo's like, whoa, how'd you do that? <laughs> he's like, the little boy, he's like, you just have to remember, there is no spoon. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, You want to know the secret? This is the secret. There is no secret. No secret. All this time I've been speaking plainly. There is no secret. There's nothing hidden. 
This is not Gnosticism. This is not some special secret insider. There's nothing hidden. The lamp is put on the lampstand so that everything can be exposed. Everything can be revealed. Look, nothing is hidden. Everything is meant to be revealed. I'm not hiding anything from you. You are only choosing to reject it. Do you hear that? I'm not hiding anything from you, Jesus is saying. You are only choosing to reject it. And if you reject it, then yes, it will stay. It will stay gibberish. It will stay as a secret code. What's the secret then? The secret is this. The last application and the fill in the blank. I really try hard to give you something to work on. Every Sunday, my church people, you listen. I don't want to give you just ideas. I want to give you homework because that's my fertilizer. You get it? That's the fertilizer. I don't feed you miracle Grow, guys. That's McDonald's. I don't feed you miracle Grow. I feed you the good stuff. And I try to feed you something so that you can fertilize yourself throughout the week. You know what the fertilizer is? Number one, keep coming back. The pastor's just trying to get us back to church next Sunday. But that's how you grow. You hear the word and you persistently keep coming back. I know you want to throw that Bible across the room. I know you want to smash the mirror, but it is the only thing that will honestly confront you. It is the one honest thing. Keep coming back. And the second half of that is it works if you work it. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I believe that. I've experienced it in my life. I did not change overnight. It took me a long time. But if you keep coming back, and if you work it, it works. Listen to these last words of Jesus in verse 21. Listen, guys, this is not a secret. If anybody has ears to hear, hear. That's what he says. If anybody has ears to hear, hear. It's as simple and natural as that. Hear the gospel. Just don't reject it. And then he says, listen to this, this is awesome. Take care what you listen to. And I'll finish with that. Take care what you listen to. Literally translated from the Greek, watch what you hear. Eyes and ears. See carefully how you listen. Listen carefully. The message is very simple, it's not obscure. But listen carefully and keep listening because I'll conclude with this. As you hear the gospel message Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you're not just going to hear words or ideals, but something is going to crack in your heart. This has been my experience. I grew up in the church. Children, I grew up. I heard the gospel, but it took a while until something cracked through the concrete. And at a point, I said, ah, I get it. I get it get it. I get what the pastor's been saying for these past 10 years. Something cracks. Something clicks. Friends, there will come a point where what I've just spoken to becomes intuitive. The gospel message will vibe like a familiar song as you're waking up in the morning and you're hearing that, that, that I, this is a familiar song I know. This is the song of beauty. This is the song of universals. This is God come into my soul. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this. He died for us. Didn't have to, but he did it because we needed somebody to do it. We live in an infected world. Just look around, read the news. 
We don't know how to make peace with other countries. We don't know how to make peace with other races. We don't know how to make peace with our neighbors. Heck, we don't even know how to make peace with our family members. Christ died to show us the way. Christ died show us. Christ died to show us how. If you could close your eyes at this time, children, you too. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Give you a chance to say a prayer today as the music plays. Take your first baby step of spirituality with some deep breaths. Deep breaths. Talk to God. Maybe you haven't spoken to Him today, maybe this year, maybe ever. I don't want to be in the dark. I don't want to be the one, the only one in the room that doesn't get the code, the secret. There is no secret, friends. There's just rejection. There's just rejection. If we reject it, then we will never hear the music. Can you hear the music this Easter morning? like some help, I'm here to help. I'll say a prayer, and you can quietly in your heart repeat after me if that will help. Jesus, give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see. I won't reject you anymore. I'll keep hearing keep listening I'll listen carefully but I want to know help me to grow and please change me into the good tree I take a first step today to follow you show me how to live. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a Woven Church podcast. Woven Church is a multi-ethnic missional church that meets in West Houston. We invite you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. To find out more, visit us online at www.wovenchurch.org That's www.wovenchurch.org